Welcome to Dear Asian Americans. Thank you so much for listening. This is your host, Jerry Wan, and welcome to episode 48. Today, we talk to one half of the duo that is the Soul Sausage Company, and we talk to younger brother, Ted Kim, first. We learn about his version of the story growing up in Cupertino, California, how he made his way down to Irvine for college and his early career in digital marketing, and how volunteering for a community organization in Koreatown led him not only to his starting his business with his brother, but also meeting his wife. Next episode, we'll meet Young. And the episode after that, we'll get him together for a lively discussion about brotherhood and business. But first, let's meet Ted. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Asian Americans. Hope you're staying safe. Hope you're staying healthy and hope you're staying happy. We grew up or we a lot of us grow up. Uh, most of us are lucky enough to have a sibling or two in our lives. And that experience of growing up with a brother, I have one older brother. Um, I, I talk about him on the show from time to time. Uh, it's a very unique experience. And what I've always, always found fascinating about having a brother is that Jay and I are fundamentally different human beings. Same genetic code, or I guess base, same uh, exposure to the same parents. We're only 11 months and six days apart. And if you do the math, it's crazy, uh, especially if you've had kids. You're like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. I get it. It frightened me, too, once I figured it out. But I wanted to explore the idea of how do brothers and siblings who grow up in the same immigrant experience with the same parents view their experience, maybe the same, but maybe a little bit differently. And in particular, my guest this show and on the next one, his brother, is fascinating and even so unique because now, now they work together. They run a business together, so they see each other a lot. Their lives and livelihoods are tied to each other and getting along. Uh, maybe not all the time, but for the majority of the part. So um, I've talked about Soul Sausage on this show quite a bit. We've given away food. We've marketed for them. I videoed from them. And I do it with all the happiness in my heart because I want to help friends, number one. And, and two... Um, these are the good guys. I've, I've known them for almost 10 years now, and it's been really, really happy, fun, supportive memories. Um, I've wanted to do this show for a while. They were happy to oblige. So we're going to talk to Ted today. We're going to talk to Young next episode. And then the episode <laughs> after that, we're going to bring back them together to talk about, holy crap, I don't know. What don't know. No, nothing, nothing's for sure, but we want to bring them back to talk about it. So uh, please welcome Ted Kim of Soul Sausage to the show. Hey, thank you for having me, Jerry. It's an honor to be on here. It's an honor for me. I, I think I've seen you guys. You guys have inspired more than you realize. Uh, we can talk about the show and the experience there and um, sort of a reaction from your families and all that. Um, but yeah, I, I think when I see when I when I see you and your brother, um, the the yin and the yang, the sort of the balance that you guys um, help each other with. But the only thing that remains is you guys are fundamentally dedicated to running the business and to making this work. And mm -hmm. so the hustle, the dedication, the, the pivoting and all the things that we see and not just me, all the friends between you and me all see um, just really, really inspiring, man. Um, hey, thank you, man. And, and, and so let, let's talk about uh, the Kim family in its earlier years. Um, talk to me <laughs> about little, little Ted. Um, where did okay. you guys grow up? How the family move here and tell me about the earlier years of Ted Kim's life. Yeah, so uh, my family is from Korea. I was actually born in Korea. I was born in Suwon, Korea. And um, yeah, my dad, uh, my dad was a smart one. <laughs> uh, he got accepted to a small company in Korea called Samsung Electronics. 
And um, he was one of the first people to actually get recruited to come open the Silicon Valley office. Um, so um, when I was four, we packed up our bags and my dad said, we're moving to a place called uh, San Jose, Santa Clara. Oh. And um, yeah, like uh, me and my brother uh, had no idea, jumped on a plane. Um, and me, my mom, my brother, and my dad, we just um, landed our new house in San Jose. And uh, yeah, like <clears throat> my earlier years was, was great because my dad uh, had a great job. Um, he was a Samsung Chuje one. So, um, you know, we started off, you know, like a small immigrant family in a small place, but um, my dad found success at his company. And, um, you know, we found ourselves in a, a little town called Cupertino mm. at the heart of uh, like all the kids from like all the Silicon Valley engineers. They brought their kids to um, my school, Monta Vista High School, the Monta Vista High School. And um, I was surrounded by a bunch of Asians in high school, too, <laughs> and um, competing with uh, some really, really smart minds and, and brains. And, um, you know, our parents were always made us do violin, cello, piano, tutoring, SAT hagwon, Korean hagwon. And, um, you know, we just lived that, that traditional immigrant life, which I'm sure a lot of people have. Um, and then, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much uh, the, the young Ted life right there. <laughs> what, what's the age gap between you and, Tom, between you and Young? Uh, two years. Yeah, two, two grade levels. Yeah, okay. So. And, and so how was that growing up? Because I grew up with a brother, as I mentioned, that was very close in age. Uh, uh -huh. Did your did your parents treat you guys the same? I mean, two years is 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 uh, far enough. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I have two kids that are two years apart, two years apart. So um, what was that growing up for you as the the, the younger brother of the yeah. two? I mean, I mean, our family was small. It was just me, my mom, my brother, my dad. Um, so just a family of four. So everything was tight. You know, like our family is really tight to this day. Uh, my brother was like my best friend growing up. Like I hung out with his friends. He hung out with my friends. I think that two year gap is like, it's it's a pretty good gap because you don't feel like, you know, the brothers that are like four years apart, they don't have too many commonalities, but right. you know, my brother, brother likes bat baseball. So I like baseball, you know, my brother likes basketball. So I like basketball, you know, and he would kind of lead it, but then we'd also end up playing it together. And, mm. um, you know, like I said, two years is just close enough where we have same interests, same hobbies. And, you know, I wasn't that much like, smaller than my brother so we were able to play like competitively like on the same level so it was actually great to have my brother around very cool when he went to college before you did yep how did that change your identity because his he was gone physically down to san diego uh -huh. his friends were uh -huh. gone and, and sort of it's just you and your parents what was there any unique experiences or stories there that sort of helped you feel or things that you realized about yourself that you had not because your brother was around all the time no, I think like my, me and my brother had such different personalities growing up. Um, and uh, like, I mean, it was just two years, so I didn't really feel it too much. But, and plus like, it was like my junior and senior year. So I was so busy doing my own thing that I didn't really um, realize too much of the difference. But um, my brother definitely got like the more stricter rules and uh, he had like the curfews and he had like the specific allowances and, I think my parents, at, like my, when they came to me, I was a little bit more like, um, more adventurous than my brother in a sense. Um, so they just kind of let me fly. I never had a curfew. Um, I like, I had my own job. I worked at Starbucks when I was in high school. So like I was spending money, like when I made it, you know? And, um, yeah, I just, I don't know if there was too much difference. Me and my brother always had kind of like our own identities. Like, yeah. um, I mean, we stuck to each other whenever, like, you know, something happened to me, my brother always like, come get my back but 
yeah, there, I never really felt like some kind of like a piece of me was gone when my brother was there. It was just more like, oh, he's in college now. And like, I would look forward to those days where I could go visit him in San Diego and party with his friends, you know, <laughs> and use their fake IDs. <laughs> That's cool, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. As you mentioned, the way that your family, the Kim family, moved to America, um, while not uncommon, you know, not the most uh, common of stories in, in terms of, you know, came here as an expat eventually, initially um, as as a Korean as an employee of a, of a Korean conglomerate. How did that play into what your parents wanted for you guys in terms of academics and professional careers? So like we we never had a family in uh, in America. It was all like so we call it our Samsung family, and um, it's it's like the other employees that my dad immigrated out to America with, and they kind of became our family because anytime there was like a Thanksgiving break, we'd go on trips with like my dad's fr- like employees and their kids, and um, the competition was fierce, right? And um, they they kind of set the standards pretty high. Like um, you know they're they're all very smart, very uh, educated, very cultured. In a sense, I feel very lucky that uh, a lot of my Samson family, they're all successful, way more successful than us, by the way. <laughs> and, um, you know, we just kind of like, like, kind of like, like motivated each other, inspired each other. We, there was always a, kind of like a level of like, hey, we're like Samson kids. We can't be like, you know, we can't be making sausages or cleaning, washing dishes or you know, <laughs> things like that. There's the irony there, but. Um, uh, yeah, always- yeah. Well, I, I mean, you, you said success more successful than you guys, which I think is. Is it's just based on one metric, right? Which is, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, ju- judge it by, I mean, judge it by logos on a resume or the degrees or or income. Yeah. But um, I, I I would argue that you know you guys have found success in your own way. Talk to me about growing up in Monte Vista High School and in Cupertino, where even back in the '90s when you and I went to high school and in the very late '90s, um, uh-huh. that was the the resurgence or the the initial surge of technology and and the the first com era. And still very, very tech heavy and tech heavy influence with uh, overnight riches being won and lost. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of influences did the area in which you grew up have on what you wanted to do when you went to college? I mean, like the, the tech side of it was like, like just always there. Uh, like we always called like uh, Steve Jobs, Uncle Steve, because he would just swag out our whole school with like new IMAX. And we'd be the first <laughs> school to like have them. And then he'd bring like Al Gore there to show them how like it's applied in like the educational system. So we were super spoiled. Like our yearbook class was like, you know, people were like manually cutting photos and putting it into like, like yearbook editors. I know we were using technology for that. And I was really shocked <laughs> that like our school is still like ahead of the curve. So um, yeah, like um, just tech has always been a big part of like, I think my identity and even with food to this day, just trying to figure out how like tech and food kind of con- mm. uh, connect. I think that's going to be a big part of the future. Let's talk about your junior, senior in high school after Young had gone down to San Diego. What did you want to study and how did you end up choosing to go come down to Irvine to attend college? So like my dad, he did work for Samsung, but he was a Chujae one. So there was like a time limit on when, when he was supposed to stay in America for. Um, so when that time expired, we had to actually move back to Korea. And it was like a big, big um, ordeal in the Kim family. And my brother didn't want to go. I kind of was a little too young at that time to really know what, what was going on. And um, I remember my brother just like crying, saying, I can't leave my friend Kevin behind. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was really hard on my parents because they knew that we like built our whole like friends and our groups here. And what ended up happening was my dad ended up quitting Samsung and he started oh. his own company. Uh, so I think that entrepreneurial blood 
just kind of uh, like like ran within us. And the question was again, like, how did? Um, how, yeah, how old were you when that happened? By the way. So like, I think the first time he like that happened, I was in like elementary school, and then my dad deferred it, and he got a couple extra years to stay here. And then I think when like I was getting close, like junior high, if I'm correct, uh, that's when like we really had to like make a decision. Uh, and then, and then that's when my dad decided, Hey, I'm going to just do my own thing. And, okay. um, yeah, he, he started his own business. That's cool. Um, so how, what did you want to study at UC Irvine and how did you there end you up go. in Irvine? Yeah. Like I, obviously I, I witnessed my dad kind of go through like the entrepreneurial highs and the lows, but I was very interested in business. I wasn't like the studious type. I think young was definitely the more studious type than I was. Um, he got like the higher GPA, the higher SAT scores, but um, I was a little bit like more creative, I feel, felt. So I wanted to just do something more in like marketing and advertising. And uh, it was kind of tough because there weren't too many Asian people in the advertising industry. So, um, I mean, I'm jumping to college, but it was just really hard for me to find mentors or mm-hmm. other people that um, worked in that field to right. like really just give me some information. So um, I think I would just make it difficult on myself and do things. <laughs> There's like hard, like, I don't get that much like advice from and I just have to pay like, make my own mistakes and kind of learn the hard way. Uh, yeah. So that's what I want to study. And uh, UC Irvine didn't have an advertising major. Uh, so I picked up an economics degree. And then um, uh, I had like a Nuna there that kind of gave me the cheat code to how to hack UCI. And I ended up finishing the UC, uh, economics degree in three years. And I was having way too much fun in college. <laughs> well, so I mean, I picked up another major <laughs> and then finished sociology too in the last year. That's awesome, man. And and you were involved in a lot of things in college um, uh, with, with a lot of the student organizations that center around business and business education. And then you were president of your business fraternity uh, in your in your final year there. What kind of lessons did you learn or did you want to change about the culture there? As you just mentioned, you didn't see or you didn't have a lot of mentors that look like me and you in the fields that you wanted to get into. Um, and we've had other folks on the show that are from the creative world of advertising and marketing where, yeah, that was about 20 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, where we didn't have a lot still today, not as much as we would like to see. Yeah. What, what kind of influences did you want to change or did you learn leading AKSI in your senior year or your, your final year at UCI? Uh, I mean, for AKSI, it was just like just like a family and a group that I just connected with right away that um, you know, after college, they wanted to do something bigger in life. Um, so I, that's why I got just attracted to that organization, but that ended up, ended up being my life in college. And, um, I really, really like had a great time there. Uh, it was just a group to really party with and like learn with. And I mean, if I could be honest, I didn't learn too much in college, like educationally wise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you see fine. But I mean, in theory, I learned a lot, but I think more than that, just, um, being with like-minded people. Um, we wrote like business plans in that organization, as nerdy as that sounds, we like competed against each other. Um, and we just like learn how to just like fine tune our resumes, like have good job interview, like etiquette and responses. And, um, I just felt like after I had all that experience, it was just a lot easier for me to transition into the, the real world, you know, the, the working, working world. Hey man, I, I totally understand your sentiments about AKSI. Were you Shout AKSI out to you. No, 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 I wasn't. <laughs> my my brother was actually uh, at oh, UCLA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we, 
And I don't know how it was at UCI, but at USC, at KSI, was predominantly Asian American as well. <laughs> so it, it was sort of like KSA plus AKSI would do a lot of fun social things together. Oh, cool. Yeah. So shout out to uh, Ernest Lee, who was president at AKSI when I was running things over at KSA. And uh, we collaborated and did a lot of fun stuff together. What's up, Ernest? <laughs> <laughs> who is slaving away in Chicago as we speak. Nice, nice. So... Tell me about your jump into advertising. Um, you spent the first few years of your career um, at agencies, small, and eventually in, into you ended up at, uh, at Deutsch and Edelman, which are more household names in the industry. Um, t- yep. Take me through that journey of how you got in the door and how you progressed, not only in sort of the accounts that you worked on, but in your responsibility as well. Yeah, I mean, so in college, um, like I always had a plan and everything was like kind of like, when I joined AK Styles, I was like, I want to be like marketing director next year. I want to do this. And like everything kind of just like stuck. Um, and even in college, I, I got to intern at like a really big ad agency in, in Irvine. Um, but what's really tough about the advertising industry is you need to have experience to get into like, like, like the very like low end, like entry level job. And I was getting rejected left and right. I like, I would like, I, I would be so prideful that I've never like, like gotten rejected from an interview. But like after I graduated from college and I was applying for all these um, advertising agencies, I just kept getting rejected because I had no experience. I like had like like a three month internship at an agency, um, and they just wanted someone that could just jump right in and just take on mm-hmm. some accounts and help out with stuff. Um, so that like really killed my pride. I actually like didn't work for a whole year trying to find mm-hmm. like that perfect first job. And um, then one of my friends reached out to me. I was doing like part time job at like Google AdWords and stuff like that at a third party vendor. But that really did not stimulate me at all. And mm. I was not feeling like this, I could do this in the future. And then one, one, one day my friend reached out saying he had a, like he got a job in an ad agency, a really, really small one. And um, he asked if I wanted to join that company. And I mean, I joined, I got paid 800 bucks every two weeks. <laughs> Whoa. And, um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty low. It was very, very entry level. Um, but I got to put that on my resume saying that I work for an ad agency and then mm-hmm. leveraged that into a, a little bit bigger firm. Um, they still did like more local accounts, but um, a company called Davis Ellen. Um, I worked on like a casino account there called Paula Casino and um, got to work a little bit with like Southern California Toyota, a little bit with McDonald's, um, a little bit with Knott's Berry Farm. And, um, you know, the more like <clears throat> brands you work with, great for your resume. And then after a couple of years there, I, I like applied for one of my dream agencies at Deutsch in uh, Marina del Rey. And um, I got a job as uh, an account executive for Saturn, the, the General Motors car company. And then a month later, uh, <laughs> <everything for> Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but uh, one of my bosses there really liked me. And he's like, hey, I think you have like a knack for like the digital end of it. So why don't I just transition you into more of like a digital side for, for oh, cool. um, what's that called? Uh, a different account. And then because of him, um, I was able to just stay at Deutsch for another couple of years and then work with some really cool brands out there. And then, um, yeah. And then um, one of my uh, like mentors at Deutsch, she ended up getting a job at Edelman as a VP. And then she's like, how would you like to come work as a supervisor? Um, I was like, I'm not qualified for that, but thank you. And she's like, no, you're definitely qualified. Come join me. Um, and then she, she got me on board at Edelman and, um, I was there for, I want to say three and a half years, almost four years. Um, working on some really cool brands like Shell, Best Buy, um, Activision, um, what else I work on? 
I can't really remember off the top of my head. But yeah, a lot of big corporate accounts. Oh, like Nestle. I worked on a SpaceX project um, and met some really, really amazing people at Edelman. And I think that was like the agency where like I really, really just kind of like everything clicked. And then I understood like, oh, why people spend money on advertising, why people yeah. spend money on like uh, PR. Um, and uh, I really respected uh, Richard Edelman. He was like the first one to really like understand that everyone like buy stuff because they trust that brand. And that like, just that one small like tidbit really like changed kind of like my whole philosophy on like just everything. Mm. And that's my like career progression right there. Sure, no, no, but but I, I, yeah. I mean, where, where I want to ask you about next is it, it's not the difference between your advertising career and your business <laughs> owner with Soul Sausage isn't separate, right? There, there's a little bit of overlap that you started yeah. working on the idea and, and getting excited for it. Um, yep. You got into the world of food down here in the Los Angeles community uh, through your involvement with the Korean American Coalition and some of the events that they threw. Yep. So talk talk to me about the, the Korean barbecue cook-off, which ran for a number of years. Um, big, big That's festival, right? Yeah, yeah be, before Korean food got really popular and Koreatown became a destination, this was yeah. the only time that I think, or one of the first times that I remember where uh, we as a community in Koreatown really opened our doors to everybody and, and invited yeah. people to come check us out. Um, yeah. what, what was that experience like? And what did you learn about marketing and food um, cross-culturally through that experience? Uh, so um, I used to, like Grace, you, I used to help her out with a few things. And um, she, you know, she definitely mentored me through kind of like my, my young adult stage. Um, I knew I wanted to do something creative. I just didn't really know like what platform I wanted to do it on. And, um, you know, I would just go in there to help, help, help Casey. I actually met my wife through Casey. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I can't say that it was just a hundred percent honest, I wanted to work there. <laughs> but uh, I did end up helping out with Casey and I said, Hey Grace, what's like the, the biggest thing I could probably help you out with that you're stressed out with. And she said fundraising. Uh, so I said, Hey, um, there's a lot of festivals that like are popping up that are attracting mm -hmm. a lot of people. Uh, there's a website called Yelp. Cause this is when Yelp was kind of first, first starting right. up. And I actually ended up meeting the, the community manager uh, of Yelp at that time. And this is when like people were starting to Yelp review about Korean barbecue. Mm. And um, like, like if I were to go back to my office days, actually, this is when I was working in the advertising world. Um, you know how like there's like that fantasy football guy that organizes the fantasy football league. There's <laughs> yeah. a guy that like, like organizes the happy hours. Um, I was a Korean barbecue guy in my agency. And uh, <laughs> it would just start with like two, three people. And then, um, I would just end up taking like 50 people to remember Manna on Olympics. Yeah. I would take oh them God, to Manna yeah. and it would just be like effing crazy. Like we'd have people like puking under like their garden, like coconuts hooking up in the bathrooms. Like, and I was, I was kind of like the ringleader of that. And um, I just realized <laughs> that a lot of people wanted to like try Korean barbecue, but you know, there was that kind of like that little, what do you call it? Intimidation, little re reservation yeah. factor of like not being able to read the uh, menus and, um, mm -hmm. But this was a time when they were like, like realizing Korean barbecue was so fun that they were like, kind of like slowly, like, you know, coming to Koreatown and, and yeah. going to like the Super Chips and like the, you know, other big spots in K-Town. But um, this was when they still needed one of us to escort them, right? This was, uh, yeah, before yeah, yeah. was before we always, I, I got the phone calls like, hey, where do I go? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. hey, like I need to entertain somebody. Can you come along with and help us order stuff? Exactly, it's yeah. not what it is today. It, it's not yeah, as yeah. Uh, English friendly as it is today. Yeah, yeah. 
so so my my <laughs> idea to Grace was like, hey, like I know people are kind of like skeptical about coming into Cape Town, but what if we just opened our arms and opened our doors up to uh, the rest of LA and uh. just kind of had like a Korean barbecue cook-off where we introduced all our favorite Korean barbecue spots and ultimately have them just throw down for the best kaibi in town, the best pork. And I was like, this is such a crazy idea. Like Korean people aren't going to compete with each other for like best pork and best beef because, you know, crazy people are so prideful. <laughs> we ended up working and like uh, Yelp got really involved. They helped promote the whole thing. Um, and I think we ended up getting like, like, I don't know the exact number, but I think it was like eight to 10,000 people attending the first one. Wow. And it was like a huge success. Um, we raised a lot of money for um, Casey. I don't know if we raised tons of money, but like grossly, we made a lot of money. And I think um, that caught the attention of Casey saying, hey, this is actually like a great idea. Um, mm -hmm. We might need to like, like fine tune kind of like the, the cogs in the back end of it. But um, if we could generate this much money on a day, um, this should definitely be an annual thing. And I just end up becoming like kind of like their helper for like the next couple of years for that. Uh, that's pretty cool, man. Um, yeah. And how does that play into the role of the birth of Seoul Sausage? Because you were involved with the, the food community in Koreatown. You yeah. knew how to do marketing very well professionally. And then you got a little bit of experience and success in getting people to show up for something with emotion and excitement. Where, where did that lead to? Um, so, um, I mean, the, the funny thing is, like, during that time, a lot of my friends would come help out and volunteer for the events, including my brother. My brother, I remember, was, like, the head bar tender of that event. And, like, my friends ended up, like, working, volunteering that event. My brother managed them. And we just, like, kind of learned on the back end how to, like, run events and, you know, throw special, like, festivals and, I guess, things like that. And... Um, one of my best, actually my, my best, like my best friend's older brother, Chris, who, who was like a big part of Starting Soul Sausage. I was a big fan of that guy. And I was like, hey, you need to do something at this festival, man. Like, like sell sauce or sell something or sell kaibi and like, you know, I'll get you a free booth. Like, um, you know, let's do something. And they actually ended up moving down during that time. Uh -huh. uh, and while we never like jumped on right away, uh, I think it was the second Korean barbecue cook-off festival where Soul Sausage came in as actual vendor for that event. But it just all like kind of progressed. I met a lot of like food people, got really close with that Yelp manager. Her name is Shana. So Shana, mm. if you're listening to this. Um, and um, just ended up meeting a lot of people in the industry. And I just, I dug it, man. And like, you know, I felt like I was like, kind of like the gatekeeper of Korean barbecue with my company. And this was like a little bigger scale version of that. And, you know, I just always felt proud of my, my culture and my cuisine. And just, Korean food is good, man. And, <laughs> it's just such an easy sell, you know, it's like you share food, you grill together, it breaks the awkward silence. Let me, here, let me pour you a soju while you don't have anything to say to me. And then a couple of shots later, they'll be all talking with me. And like, uh, yeah, yeah, I, you, know, you know what I'm talking about, Jerry. You know, I, I, look, I, I, I remember the second one. I, I think it's the event that was in the uh, the parking lot behind the Big Bank building. Um, uh, yeah. Is that, is that the one? Okay, so I, I was doing some work for uh, Patty at Adwell and with Hyde in general, wow. right? And and so I remember the boost tent. It was a big to-do. It was almost a, a giant uh, shit show because everybody was just drinking too much. Um, <laughs> it was the, the event had a lot of notoriety. I met uh, Chef Ludo uh, there, and there was a lot of celebrity there too because it be, sort of became, this is the official Korean food event, and this mm -hmm. was sort of our... Um, Koreatown's almost coming out party, if you will, to share yeah. what, what those of us 
Look, it was it was a bittersweet moment for a lot of us who have eaten and, and partied in Koreatown for a long time, right? And it was like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's sort of you want to share it with the world, but you don't because you don't want to wait for stuff, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And and so <laughs> that's cool, man. So take me to the conversations and sort of the the first ideation meeting, or how did Soul Sausage come about as an entity and an idea? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean. Um, Chris was kind of uh, messing around with some sausages, and when he moved down, um, you know, me and my brother, just the four of us, me, Anthony, Chris, and my brother, we just hang out all the time. And then he kept talking about the sausage idea. I said, hey, we've got to try it. And then uh, he made it for us one day, and then we knew right away. We're like, yo, we have to do this. Mm. And then um, we, we started making them um, out, of his, out of his apartment. Um, it was very, very bootleg. <laughs> I don't know how... How, uh, bootstrap is, is the more uh, 2020 word. <laughs> Sorry, bootstrap. Yeah, we're not in the 40s or the 20s. But, um, you know, and then we just kind of ran with it, you know, and uh, we just learned how to make sausages. Um, uh, just practice makes perfect. Um, and Korean people, you know, Korean people, they like just love to like, like figure out like an easier way to do it than hand making everything yourself. Um, and then once we actually started getting some clients and people to like actually like drop it off to, um, for some money, actually, for some sales, uh, we partnered up with like a local butcher and um, kind of let them do the, the production side of it, and we focused on the business aspect of it. And then, yeah, like we just threw a lot of events, man, and a lot of the, a lot of the festivals here out in LA. Um, the big thing, like, uh, for me and my brother was, hey, we we shouldn't target Asian people. Like, no offense huh. to Asian people, but um, Asian people already know the kaibi flavor. They already know like the teju bulgogi flavor. And um, our big, our big like good first step that we made was, hey, let's target this to non-Korean people. Mm. So we went to like the Silver Lake Jubilee, like the Hollywood uh, Street Food Festival, uh, any event that we felt was, we did a Long Beach Crawfish Festival, which we completely bombed on. <laughs> but um, like the first few events that we went to, it was, it was, it was really cool to see kind of everything come to play because you, you smell the Kaibi from like a mile away. It's like that in and out effect. You, you smell that and people walk up to it. They see a sausage on a bun. And it's like, it's a combination of that experience really lowers people's like reservations to try something new. Um, Cause they've already eaten a hot dog before. So they're not like, Oh my God, what the heck is that? It's like, Oh, it's a hot dog right. it's a flavor. And that was like, I think a really smart move on our end. And we, that we didn't even realize we were doing it because people just were like, eh, I'll give it a try. It's like I'm eating a Polish sausage or something different. And then once they bite into it, it's just a completely different experience. And everything that like we were thinking, like we want this to be like a new experience, but like, a very familiar like experience. Like we just saw it in people's faces as they ate it, and that was like, whoa, this is something very special that we have here. Um, in, in its infancy, Soul Sausage was a come find us business model, right? We're going to go yeah. to festivals. It was more of a brand than a, than a brick and mortar location. Yeah. Um, what What are some digital marketing things that you were able to use to help grow the brand where people couldn't come physically find you? So, um, like Yelp was very, very like in its infancy stage at that time. I don't want to say infancy stage. People were like using it, but like it wasn't as like common as it was now. And people really, really found like joy and pride in like finding new restaurants and writing Mm -hmm. about it and giving their opinions on the taste. And, um, like we knew the, we knew the community manager of Yelp, you know, and um, she kind of helped us navigate through Yelp a little bit. I mean, not to say we didn't know what we were doing, but I was doing this for 
me and Young were both doing this for our clients and our ad agencies. Like we were building like digital campaign strategies for like these big companies, making right. Facebook pages for them, giving writing like Instagram like um, like content calendars for them. So we were kind of a little one step ahead on in terms of like how that process worked. And one thing that me and my brother um, did a good job on, we never paid for advertising early on. We just said, if we build something cool enough, people will come write about it or people will mm-hmm. come like find us. And um, that's what we did. Like, like people would just find us on, on these events. Um, we give them a sticker that had like, you know, our website, they'd write about mm-hmm. us. Um, like the hundreds write it, wrote about us. Um, like there was at that period of like when Yelp was kind of like, like hot and coming up, it was like yeah. really cool. Cause people were just like searching for like the next cool thing. And, when they found that cool taco spot, they'd be like, I found that taco spot. That's my yeah. taco spot. I get all <laughs> possessive over it. And um, like a lot of people found us through like Yelp and they had a very like big, like, like what's called loyalty to our brand in the yeah. beginning. And I still have friends to this day that like, I said like, Hey, I found you guys. I supported you guys from day one. And it's, it's kind of a cool feeling. Cause you know, like they feel so much like I was such a part of it. Like when it came to be in. Yeah. I, I I think food is emotion, right? And you, you guys yeah. definitely believe in that. And even today, um, I the first time I had a soul sausage was at Peter and Danny's '90s K-pop party that we <laughs> threw. A party. I, I still reminisce about that party because I mean it's it was nostalgic. I, I mean uh-huh. that's still like ten years ago, but geez, you know, know. At, at the time I was like, man, I'm 26, I can't party anymore. But you know, <laughs> my, my friends are throwing this party with music that I grew up with, and yeah, yeah. it's in the location of the club that we used to go to in college, and it was it was so cool. But I, I will say, I, I don't think I knew you guys. I think I had met you guys, you know, at least said hello back then, but it wasn't uh-huh. a, a friendship that it is today, obviously. And just to see something that was created that was for the masses but that had the word soul in it yeah um very important um you know we we talked to a lot of people on the show now that uh whether it's uh you know carol with maku or danny with sunfish sauce like just leaning into our cultural identity to create something that is an homage and a a respect to where we come from but Uh it's our own rendition on it and then to take it and to share it with the rest of the world um because it deserves to be shared um and and so you and the guys did something that was on a big big national stage and it was to compete in the great food truck race season three um which at the heyday of reality television this was the food version of it this was the the hustle and dream version of it because of the nature of how food trucks were already popular in LA, but gaining massive popularity across the country. Um, mm-hmm. Share with me your story of how that came about. How'd you guys audition? And you took time off from work to do this, or did you already decide to quit work for this? Uh, yeah, we, this was, uh, so that, that whole process is pretty funny, man. Like how me and my brother quit our jobs. Like um, I was like, how old was I then? I was like 26 or 27. My brother's like 29. We, had, we both had pretty good jobs, like pretty very stable jobs that our parents were very proud of. And we both, I think we had like 10 grand each in our bank account. We're like, yeah, this is totally enough money for us to survive. And then we just quit our job thinking that's going to like be enough to like sustain until like the restaurant pops off. And then um, we didn't realize that construction takes a long time. And uh, there's like permits and there's all these different things. And um, me and my brother were like, we can't tell our parents that we quit our jobs yet, you know? <laughs> oh and this is before we even signed a lease, too. Um, so we knew that we wanted to go full-time. 
it was pretty funny because during that time I was juggling my my Edelman job and uh, Soul Sausage, uh. and I remember my boss pulled me in one day and like I was like I was making marinade till like five in the morning, and then I like showered. But like garlic is pretty pungent, so even if you shower, it's still like in your fingernails, still on your hair. And I, my my boss was like, "What the fuck is the smell?" You know. But he pulls me in. My boss Monte, he was like such a cool guy, and he's like, "Hey Ted, like, like I've been noticing that you're like being a lot more tired lately. You don't have the energy that you have. Like, um, I'm super supportive of Soul Sausage, but I think it's kind of getting to the point where we have to figure out which road you're gonna take, and I'm supportive mm-hmm. either way. And um." That's when I was like, I need to quit my job and focus 100% wow. on Soul Sausage. Again, this is without a lease locked in, like an investor locked in. <laughs> like it was just pure, like young, kind of like like no fear, kind of like that kind of persona that we had. And we quit our jobs. And um, when we realized how long it was going to take to construct this thing out and build out and plans and architecture, and you know, we're learning as we go. We're like, dude, we're going to need more money, you know. Um, so we, that's when we actually like ramped up kind of like our catering. We did a lot of like film studios. We like mm-hmm. reached out to like our, a lot of our connections. My brother used to be in a band. So he had a lot of like cool connections, so, like movie sets and like, um, you know, music video shoots. And like, I remember we like dumbfounded, like, like CD launch party. Like we just got little connections on those where we had cool events to go to where we appear cool and we can make some money. But, um, it wasn't until we found that Sautel location and we signed uh, that deal where we, me and my brother felt comfortable saying, hey, ma, dad, quit our jobs. <laughs> but we just signed the deal for this this um, location. We took them to the location and they they were like, oh, it seems like you have a great plan in place. <laughs> we support you. <laughs> Not knowing all the... How did you tell them? Was it was it together? Was it on the phone? Was it in person? It Who went person. first? Uh, so me and my brother, like my parents lived in San Jose at the time. So they came to visit us and like took them to like, you know, we like wine and dine them in like Santa Monica, took them to the beach, got in like feeling good. And then we drove to Sautel. Say, oh, what do you guys think of this location? Because it was like, Sautel was like bustling during that time. It was like right before it like really peaked. And then my parents were, like, dude, this, this area is too crazy. Let's get out of here. And then kind of like, hey, this is actually our location right here. We're going full time with Little Sausage. And uh, we want you guys to just believe in us. And they were very skeptical, man. Like uh, my dad, like uh, he was very successful at his business, but he also crashed pretty hard during like that that uh, dot com dot com uh, what do you call it crash. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom was especially very very worried about like you know the ups and downs of that life, which you know I understand now. Um, so they weren't very like they were like yeah we support you, but it wasn't like that like you know like the American like oh I'm so proud of you guys like. This is beautiful. It's like, are you sure you guys want to do this? I mean, I support you guys. It's like, it was like that kind of like, like feel, I guess. There. That's a, that's probably the best case scenario of <laughs> t- telling your immigrant parents that both you and your brother, yeah, yeah, uh, have have quit their successful jobs, both in in digital marketing that yeah. came came with years <laughs> of hard work and education, and said. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna go sell hot dogs. Um, (laughs) That that's very cool, man. And and props to your parents for having the open mindedness to to see the vision and and to be very supportive um, of you guys with that. Um, So let's uh, you you go and you actually let's talk about the food truck. Um, What was that like? Talk about the show, right? Yeah, the show, right? Yeah, let's talk about the show. Um, Tell me about the show. How you guys were on the road? You guys were traveling across country. Yeah, uh, this is the first 
time, was this the first time that you and your brother were full-time in on something together? I know Chris was there as well. Obviously, it was, it was a, a partnership. Um, but between you and Young, and you guys were doing the business as side hustles uh-huh. in addition to your day jobs. But this was the first time that you were you and him were actively engaged in sleeping together, working together, hustling twenty four seven together on something. Well, I mean, we worked on a couple like me, like we, like we, I had a couple like online stores, and uh, that's a whole other story. I used to sell like bootleg Jordans and stuff online, but um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But uh, as a sneakerhead, I like I really like cringe when I have to talk about that. <laughs> But um, I'm not really a sneakerhead, but like just I like and appreciate sneakers. So like I cringe when I have to talk about it. But we had a couple <laughs> like websites that my me and my brother worked on that weren't very successful. Um, so I just kind of knew the way he worked and like he knew the way I worked. And um, you know my brother has a lot of strengths where I'm really like poor at, and like the things that like I'm really good at, he's not that good at. So like you're saying earlier, there was a really good like yin and yang to me. And my brother's like professional um careers but as we get older and become more stubborn like old asian men um it's getting harder and harder for that but um like in that beginning period man like our our chemistry was so good and like we were so good at like just like helping each other elevate to like that next step and um you know anyone that has a business partner like they'll know that like um when you guys fight you guys fight hard but um through it all you have another perspective and you just kind of like filter your you 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 process your ideas through like another layer of like a different filter and out through that filter comes like even a better idea. So I'll say that a lot of times when I thought it was a good idea and just kind of process it through like Chris and Yang's filter, it'd come out like, nah, that's not a good idea, but let's take the base of that idea. And then, and then it becomes a good idea, you know? So in the beginning, like we were very fortunate to have like all three of us because um, that idea, that small idea turns into a really big idea and it just gets so many different like layers on attached to it. And, how did you figure out who was doing what? Because when you're physically <laughs> cooking, f- so in, in yeah. the context of a game show, which yeah. there are a m- number of different things to do, including cooking the food and finding location yeah, yeah. and all that. And then eventually leading into just the behind the scenes of how the heck are we going to make this work yeah. um, and, and, and strategizing about the game itself. How did the two of you, and including Chris, the three of you, yeah. How did you guys, was it natural and very obvious because you guys had grown up with each other on, on whose responsibility would be what on the show? Yeah. I mean, okay. So just taking a step back from that, like um, the audition process was super weird because um, like, like I said, we didn't realize how long construction would take. And this sounds so amateur that I'm saying that right now, but like we all three of us thought we were going to be busy right off the get go, but we weren't. So we were just going out like partying every night and drinking. And we were like in K-Town very frequently during that time. But when we were like all hanging out together, we all like crashed together. And like, when we like woke up that day, there was like an art- article on Eater LA saying, hey, we're looking for three people that have a concept that want to compete on a food show. And that time that we had, like, I mean, if we were working, we probably couldn't have done the show. Right. But since we were all just doing nothing, it was such an easy, like, do you want to do it? You want to do it? And then it was like, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. And they just had requirements on how you were supposed to apply for this TV show. And it was like, cook a dish, show each other's personalities, like explain that dish. We didn't do any of that. We went to like Tobang, we just got drunk. And then we just made a video that just really showcased who we were, you know? Huh. And um, they really liked that because there were so many videos of people taking themselves way too seriously. Like I'm making like a, you know, like lasagna with like, you know, I don't know. But um, ours really stood out from the producers, what they said. And we ended up getting casted the next day. And, oh. Um, 
and they told us, hey, we want you guys on the show like within a couple of weeks. It's going to be a seven week long trip. We need you to clear out your schedules for seven weeks. And if you guys are okay with that, we'd love to like send you guys on board for the show. And um, the season Whoa. before us, the season before us, uh, and it's not to say that we're amazing human beings and we got on the show because we're so cool, but the story that they wanted to put onto us was there was a team uh, the previous season of three Korean guys from New York um, that got caught cheating or something like that. So we were supposed to be their redemption team. So like in the story in the beginning was like, Korean people aren't all cheaters or Korean people aren't like, you know, we're actually good people. Like, like we want to redeem oh, that. So that's, I think how we got kind of casted. They're like, Oh, these guys seem kind of cool. There's like a story we could build around them. But once we got, kind of got on that show, um, they just realized like we were completely different from you yeah. know, just another Asian group, which was very cool of, um, you know, a production team to like realize that right off the bat. So in the beginning, they were trying to ask us questions like, Hey, like, like, what do you want to say about to the team last year that kind of misrepresented for you? And it just that evolved into like, oh, why are you guys doing this? Like, um, you know, and then they really caught wind of that. We don't want to be lawyers. We don't want to be doctors. We want to be sausage makers. <laughs> and like that just became the whole premise to like our team. And um, just going back to your question that you asked on like how like we kind of differentiated the task. Uh, I mean, Chris was just the more skilled uh, chef at that time. So eventually he just gravitated towards that. And then I was kind of like the youngest one. I had the most energy and uh, you need someone outside to like do sales and talk to people. And I don't have a problem with making a fool of myself. So I just kind of, kind of clicked there. <laughs> and then Young was kind of good at cooking and he's kind of good at like the sales. So like he kind of became kind of like that, that, that mid person that could switch back and forth. Um, and that's just kind of how like our roles, like our like initial roles and responsibilities kind of became. And even when we were doing those festivals, it was kind of like that too. Like I was always up in the front. Uh, switching off with my brother and then my brother would be kind of in the back like kind of supporting Chris and supporting me so that's kind of like the first kind of like job titles that we had I guess but you know we do everything that's cool man I mean they they were looking it sounds like they were looking for three Korean or Asian people to yeah. fit this need to fill their storyline and whatever the reason however you got in you got in and you said frick it you know fuck it we're gonna <laughs> crush it and then win the whole goddamn thing no um, it wasn't like that man we were so nervous no, that, that's the story i remember yeah yeah well i mean congratulations to you I, I i think it's uh to do something that crazy and that awesome but in a very public way um uh-huh. is and was and will always be validating not only to you guys but to those of us who are your friends and your fans from afar because it validates it Right. It's external validation. It's not just, hey, support him because he's my friend. It's there was an impartial judge in the way of a, a reality TV show. And, and I'm sure that went a long way. Um, how, how did your parents take the uh, the TV stuff? Were they were they supportive of you? Did they watch? Did they show up to stuff? How did that all play out? With your uh, parents? I mean, uh, you know, Asian parents, once you're on the Korean newspaper and then once you get on a TV <laughs> show, it's like all of a sudden they're your number one fans, you know, <laughs> and uh They'd have like viewing parties at their houses. It was it was really cute. Like we sent them shirts and like like ten of their friends came and they watched it together. Our season was kinda cool, man, because there was like it was like the Food Olympics, man. We had like an Italian team, we had like an Alaskan team, we had like an Australian team, we had like a Korean team. So in a sense it was kind of like bigger than just like a concept. It was like like national pride. 
And uh, my parents like rooted like us on like it was the freaking Olympics, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. Um, so let's talk about you working with your brother at, at Soul Sausage during the last eight years and some of the lessons that you've learned with him, right? Because you went from idea to festivals to signing a lease, then to the truck, then to running a physical store. Um, and then to having still a side catering and food truck business. And and it's evolved as time has and as we've all collectively grown up into now a business that you and Young run. And in the last year or so, you've gone through some transitions in the way of uh, business partnerships and a new location in downtown that you, uh, you know, evolved away from. And now... Um, not not to hyperspeed up and, and skip years of it, but I think the perspective that I want to get is through it all, right? And mm-hmm. I guess to where your business is predominantly now, just before pre-COVID, was a lot of stadium stuff, looking into getting into freezers at national chains and national you know, uh, direct stores, and then to doing um, stadium work and catering work and really sort of going back to your roots of being a brand first and then mm-hmm. having the people find you. Um, through it all, you and your brother have been there working with each other. Um, you've got married. He got married and has three beautiful children now. And then so we're we're growing up. You guys grew up with the company and the brand. And it's been about eight years. Looking yeah. back in hindsight, what are you most grateful for that you learned from him? And what are you excited to do with him going forward in the next chapter of Soul Sausage? Um, you know, like... Um it's crazy because me and my brother like went through such highs and such lows too. Um, after winning the greatest great food truck race, like I don't think it could like life could have gotten any higher than that. Like we seriously felt like we just won the Olympics and um, you know, you, you get, you get that taste of that 15 minutes of fame. You feeling, you feeling good about yourself. And um, you know, then like fast forward, like three years later, you're shutting down a restaurant, firing like 30 employees and like having to admit like you failed, you know, um, and just being able to do that with my brother, um, was great because, you know, obviously we have each other to like support each other, but there's also some tough discussions that happen during like those highs and those lows, the highs too, and also the lows, but during the lows, like, especially once you start having family and you start having kids, like everything gets more serious. And, um, you know, we've learned so much about each other. We've learned so much about like how to run a business. We've gotten sharper as business people. Um, and, um, like if it wasn't my brother, I don't think we would have gone this far, you know, because mm. um, if I fight with my brother and our, our nickname is the Bicker Brothers, by the way. So we're always bickering with each other, always have something to say. We're both like pretty alpha, like males with very opinionated. And um, I appreciate that, you know, because like I said, again, like instead of my idea going on there, I get another filter and it becomes a better idea. I would say like 80, 90 percent of the time. Right. And um if it wasn't my brother, I don't think we would have been able to have those conversations and not taken things personal. So in that sense, I'm very blessed that, um, you know, my brother is there for the ride. And um, yeah, like <clears throat> he thinks very differently than I do. So just being able to like, be like, oh, sure, I never thought about it that way. And then kind of being able to, I'm making it seem a lot more like polite than it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of like that process. Uh, before we used to like fight and like, it would just be like, all right, cool. You cool, man. All right, let's shake it off. Right. But you know, as you get older and you get more stubborn and you have like more on the line, those conversations get more difficult, you know? And, um, you know, we still work on it every day to like communicate with each other properly. 
But like I said, if it wasn't my brother, like we definitely wouldn't have made it this far because we've been through some really challenging times and, um, you know, we're brothers, you know, we're blood brothers. So like who better to like be in the trenches with and like fighting that uphill battle than my brother, you know? Uh, so in that sense, I'm very appreciative of that. Um, I think I looped that question like eight times, but yeah. No, no, no. That That's, I, I, I think, you know, and uh, for, for the first time, we're going to have you guys, uh, I guess, in, in the second show after this. Um, so if you're listening to this in succession, you'll, you'll hear Ted's story. You'll hear Young's story independently. And then we'll bring back together. We'll bring them back together to see who's who's been lying and who's been truthful. <laughs> or, or maybe want to see one of these legendary Bicker Brother fights here oh, on, on the show. Um, but, I, you know, look, I can't say this enough. I think you guys have done amazing um it's cool it's always been cool for me to see you guys do stuff that i think so many of us dream of and whether you now in hindsight attribute to attribute it to just collective young free effort let's just figure it out and or wanting to you know eat and drink for a living rather than you know working on client accounts um (laughs) you guys did it and you guys did it earlier than most of us actually had the balls to and Though it may seem on certain days, the hustle, the grind, and um, and I've had conversations with you and your brother independently throughout the years of, yeah. you know, what is what is life? What is entrepreneurship? What is that, right? And and we've had some really, really cool discussions and, and even experiences. Um, I mean, quick shout out to uh, Dr. An, Hyunsu An, who was my business school professor in frickin' Michigan. Um Awesome professor, who, upon, yeah, upon finding out that I was friends with you guys, he goes, holy shit, that's my favorite restaurant in L.A. <laughs> um, you know them? And I was like, wait, you go there? And and so um, even even doing cool things like sharing a meal with him when he was in L.A. and yeah. uh, and then things like that. So, look, I, I think you guys have done uh, your parents proud, right? I think the the pride factor, the um, have you done right by your parents' sacrifices is, is definitely should be a subjective question but sometimes we are pressured to look at it from an objective way of did you go to the right school and do you have the right job and sometimes that is uh like you mentioned earlier that's how sometimes we unfortunately judge success by but um i'm so happy for you guys i know right now is a little bit of a bump in the road um you know social social distancing and then stadiums being shut down for now um a big challenge and and hopefully by the time uh, football season or other sports seasons roll around, uh, things will get back to a little bit more normal. Um, let's finish with the let's finish the show for now, and then we'll leave uh, some questions and some discussion for when you come back with Young. Um, and so help us finish out the show. Um, we finish out the show in the same way, which is going back to the name of the show. The Asian Americans is a letter to us and from us and ultimately for us. This is a conversation that we want to have with not only ourselves, but with those uh, younger folks in the community, um, perhaps mm-hmm. a younger version of Ted and a younger version of Jerry out there who may feel a little bit lost, may feel a little bit scared right now, maybe wanting to try something creative and, and yet still, um, quote unquote, stuck at their day jobs. Um, so share whatever you would like to share with us and help us finish at the show and complete the letter. Dear Asian Americans. Uh, I would like for you guys to be proud of who you are. Um, I think um, the the quick quickest way to find success for yourself is knowing who you are and loving yourself and um, just finding out what, what triggers you. And the, the quicker you can find um, what like makes you excited and happy, 
um, and you just keep like working on that, like the quicker you'll find success. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, like when we were younger, um, all our parents wanted to be doctors and lawyers, but I think the parents that actually thought of their kids like and noticed their like artistic talents and sent them to art school, I feel like those kids are way more successful. They're like happier, they have really high paying jobs. Um, they're, they're cooler than some of the other people. Like the, the, the parents that actually sent their kids to like culinary school, like my friend Dookie, like how cool is that guy, you know? <laughs> um, just know who you are, know what you want to do and know what you're good at. And then just figure out like a path, you know? I don't think like people are so like um, worried about finding that perfect job or finding that perfect gig. It's like, no, you got to take some of the shittier gigs to figure out what you're really good at. And then from yeah. there, just kind of build on that. So um, be proud of who you are. Um, don't be ashamed to be an Asian American, um, speak up, um, and then just find your passion, you know, like that sounds so corny, but it's, even if it's like not what your parents want you to do, but you know, you're good at it and you're, you have some talent and that really makes you happy. Like just do it, you know, because then, you know, 20 years down the line, you won't regret it, you know? Thank you. That's so simple yet something that <laughs> so many of us struggle so long for right and look two two brothers uh grown up in the heart literally apple's backyard can find success happiness and work towards building something that not only their parents but their kids can be forever proud of because they did it their way and they did it right and they did it um in a way that is meaningful for us uh, both from a uh, life but also livelihood perspective so um Thanks, man. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Um, oh, get, get ready for I, I have no idea how it's going to go. I'm going to talk to him as soon as we're done here. So um, this is fun. This is exciting. Uh, <laughs> thank you for making time. Um, I'll see you guys personally on Friday when we pick up more food from you guys. And <laughs> in, in the meantime, be well. Thank you. You too, Jerry. Thanks, Ted. Thanks so much for listening. Really enjoyed my conversation with Ted. Uh, just a fun, loving, kind person. Uh, really, really happy to call him my friend and really excited to share his story with you. If you found his story fun, interesting, inspiring, please do share it with a friend or two. As mentioned many times, the next episode is with his older brother, Young. And if you know one, you probably know the other. So please be sure to tune in for the Young episode number 49 after this. Follow and like us on Instagram and on Facebook at the Eurasian Americans and shoot us a note if you have any comments, thoughts, questions, or a nomination for a guest on the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay happy. This has been your host, Jerry Wan of the Eurasian Americans.